Would you like to retire with enough? My name is Peter Guidry, and I am the host of the Retiring with Enough podcast. Several years ago, my wife and I downsized, and we moved into a small patio home. Patio homes are great because they're usually smaller and easier to maintain, and this patio home was new, which means we have even less maintenance. But kind of one of the downsides of patio homes is that they are very small, and the storage is very limited. So in my garage, when we purchased the patio home, I also purchased storage units. Over the years, these storage units have taken a bit of a beating, and I realized recently that they needed to be replaced. So what does that have to do with finance? Well, as I considered the purchase of the new storage units, I also realized that purchasing those storage units would also have personal cost. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Sam Nunn said, you have to pay the price. You'll find that everything in life exacts a price, and you'll have to decide whether the price is worth the prize. And Sam Nunn got it almost correct, because in addition to exacting a price, everything in life also exacts a cost. And throughout life, each person must continually decide whether they're willing to pay the toll on the road to happiness. Dictionary.com defines cost as the price paid to acquire, produce, accomplish, or maintain anything. It can also mean an outlay or expenditure of money, time, labor, and trouble. Most of us use the two terms cost and price synonymously. But when it comes to happiness, there's a huge difference between the cost and the price of happiness. Buying a new car or a new toy may provide some short-term happiness, but does the price of a new car or the toy justify the cost requirements? And will it create long-term happiness after the excitement of the new purchase wears away? After considering the cost and the price of my new storage units, I've been turning this subject over and over in my head for a while. Trying to adequately convey the difference between price and the cost of happiness has proven to be an infinitely more difficult problem than initially expected. The price of my new storage units will be expressed in dollars and cents. But the cost of my new storage units is more abstract, and it would be expressed in different terms. Because everything has a cost that differs from its price. And those costs can be expressed in terms of monetary costs, physical costs, mental costs, and emotional costs. So instead of storage cabinets, let's talk about the price of a new car in terms of the amount of money needed to purchase the car. For example, the price of a new 2023 Mercedes is about $70,000. But do most people consider the true cost of purchasing that new Mercedes? This is where things get a little bit darker. Many people want to buy the $70,000 Mercedes, but in addition to the price paid for the new Mercedes, there's also a cost attached. To pay for that new Mercedes-Benz, the financial cost may include a reduction of lifestyle in other areas. Maybe some need now becomes unfunded, like new clothes or shoes for your family, so that the want can be satisfied. 
The physical cost may include working extra hours or doing extra projects to pay for the vehicle. Extra work may precipitate health-related problems from the increased workload. Extra work projects may take workers away from family for extended periods. The mental cost may include the anxiety and pressure that a large financial purchase may create. The emotional cost may be exhibited as depression or regret after the purchase. Even with that $70,000 price tag, the true cost may be much higher. Will a new car provide momentary or lasting happiness? Does the purchase justify the true cost? As the owner of a new Mercedes, would I be forced to continue paying the financial, mental, emotional, and physical cost long after the ink on the title is dry? Happiness has a different meaning for every person. Happiness can be divided into short-term happiness and long-term happiness. The purchase of a new vehicle probably is going to provide some short-term happiness, but normally doesn't create long-term happiness. Long-term happiness comes from deep within a person, and usually it's not the result of more things. It's for this reason that many people in retirement focus on creating experiences for their families instead of buying them things. Memories of these experiences remain long after automobiles, houses, boats, and other tangible assets are forgotten. So let's talk for a couple of minutes about happiness and financial cost. There's a real common quote that says, money can't buy happiness, but it's also stated that money can buy a higher level of misery. There are people in the world who are very wealthy, but also very unhappy. There are also people in the world who have very little wealth, but are extremely happy. Some people are extremely wealthy, and they're happy too. So this prompts the question, does money provide long-term happiness? If wealthy people can be both happy and unhappy, then financial wealth doesn't automatically provide long-term happiness. I can speak from experience when I say that the road to financial independence is littered with choices that may or may not increase the cost of financial independence and long-term happiness. Everyone wants to be financially independent, but does getting there mean more time spent away from family? Life involves a lot of moral choices. Does seeking financial independence means that your actions are contrary to your moral compass? Does your quest for financial independence discourage or destroy long-held friendships? It's been said of some people that they would step over the dead body of their own mother to make the next dollar. And most importantly, do these costs justify the attainment of financial independence? And will financial independence gained in this manner create long-term happiness? There's always going to be financial costs associated with working and gaining financial independence. So the big trick with financial cost is going to be in deciding when the costs outweigh the benefits. And by that I mean going all in on life may create problems in work-life balance. And if you're interested in hearing more about that, you can listen to the podcast called Happiness in the Cross of Life. So let's switch over to happiness and the physical cost. This is where the potential purchase of my new storage shelves comes in. I know that after I purchase the shelves, I'll have to remove everything that's in the current storage shelves, take it all out, sort through everything, and then 
place all of that into the new storage shelves. So the purchase of the new storage shelves comes with both a financial cost and then there's the physical cost of removing everything and placing it back in place and the mental anguish of knowing that I actually have to do that. So work is a fact of life for most people and most types of work necessitate some degree of physical labor. My particular occupation didn't require a great deal of manual labor, but some jobs do, and that manual labor is going to take a physical toll over a long period. People speak about sacrificing their bodies for their job. This physical cost becomes a problem later in life when bodies can't sustain the repeated physical abuse and retirement approaches with a body that's been beat up and decimated by time and work. Physical work may provide happiness for some workers, but with a long-term detrimental effect. For these workers, the physical cost is high. And the opposite may be true for workers who engage in very little physical activity during their working careers. And it's not uncommon for these people to approach retirement with physical problems associated with the lack of exercise and health problems associated with lack of activity. And then there are professional athletes. These guys find that the physical cost of their profession is very high, with most athletes having a very short professional career due to the physical toll on their bodies. What about mental cost? Life exacts a mental toll on virtually everyone, with the result that in some cases, mental or behavioral problems occur. I think everyone listening would agree that life is stressful and that there's a mental cost associated with almost every choice in life during most life stages. Mental cost is a function of stress, and stress can be the result of regret for past choices and fear of future options. And if you'd like to hear a little more about that, you can listen to a podcast called A Life Well Lived. People who feel like their life has been well lived seem to have a much greater sense of long-term happiness as their lives progress. Every one of us makes mistakes, so long-term happiness is not the result of a life without mistakes, but the result of coming to terms with these mistakes and finding peace and joy in living in the present. Long-term happiness also means living without the guilt of the past and the fear of the future. And if you're interested in hearing more about this subject, you can listen to a podcast called Living Joyfully by Minimizing Regret. Now let's talk about happiness and emotional cost. Lasting happiness is such an abstract concept that it's hard to even put it into words. I'll give you a personal example. In college, I thought I would find lasting happiness by becoming a physician. I was employed by a local hospital to work nights, weekends, and holidays in the blood bank. I work closely with physicians who care for critically ill patients. It was here, after working several months with the physicians, that I realized that I only thought I wanted to become a physician and that I was unwilling to pay the cost associated with medical school, full-time practice, hospital rounds, and, more importantly, caring for critically ill and dying patients. The mental and emotional cost for me were going to be too high. It was during this period that I started to focus on dentistry. A career in dentistry was going to afford me the chance to help people, but also to have some time outside of dentistry to enjoy other aspects of life. Working in the hospital environment 
taught me great respect for my medical brothers, but I did not want to endure the ongoing mental and emotional aspects of a full-time practice in medicine. When I became a dentist, I initially envisioned that I was going to become the greatest dentist in the world. I quickly realized that following that path would exact a heavy cost in terms of abandoning the other three arms of the cross of life. My life would become about a career in dentistry with a little time for worship, play, and love. So I pivoted to focus on becoming the best dentist possible while still maintaining an active family life, faith life, and social life. Has living my life as a good dentist, but not the best dentist in the world, created lasting happiness? In my heart and soul, I feel the answer is yes. I would like to think that I'm going to spend my last day on earth feeling my life was well lived. Hopefully, these last days are far, far away. I feel like lasting happiness only comes after paying the cost associated with creating that happiness. It's not given. Happiness is always earned. The cost, whatever it may be, will vary in degree and intensity from person to person. No one can tell anyone else what's going to make them happy, how to make them happy, and for how long a period they'll remain happy. Happiness comes from within, and each person must decide the cost they are willing to pay for that happiness. Lasting happiness is not a continuous waterfall, but it's more like the sun rising and setting every day and returning in some cases after a bunch of days of bad weather. The sun's going to always return, but maybe not with the brightness and frequency that you particularly desire. But the sun, just like earned happiness, will always return. So am I going to purchase my garage storage units? Well, lazy me says no because the cost would be high in terms of physical and mental stress. But practical me says once they're in place and everything is reorganized that I'll be happier. So I'll probably do it. And now some final thoughts. Everything in life exacts both a price and a cost. And everything has a cost that differs from its price. Those costs can be expressed in terms of monetary, physical, mental, and emotional costs. True skill and sophistication occur in life when deciding if the costs outweigh the benefits. Life is full of inflection points where the price may be low or high, but there's always a price to pay. Do you go to college or go to work? Do you buy a house or rent an apartment? Do you save for a rainy day or spend like there's no tomorrow? Every choice has a cost associated, and it's paid either in the present or it's paid in the future as the outcomes of present decisions are revealed. Lasting happiness is created or destroyed by these decisions. Lasting happiness is not a continuous waterfall, but it's more like the sun that rises and falls every day and returns throughout life. Happiness comes from within, and each person must decide what costs they are willing to pay for that happiness. In my next podcast, I'll talk about an old friend who treated me badly in a certain situation and my decision on whether or not to give this old friend a hall pass. And as always, thanks for listening today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. And if you want to partake in an online conversation, be sure to search for the Retiring with Enough group on Facebook. Thanks. 
The information and opinions contained on this podcast are for general education and are considered general communications. Information on the podcast was obtained from various sources, and retiring with enough does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information presented. Retiring with enough strongly recommends that you perform your own independent research and or speak with a qualified investment professional, legal advisor, or tax professional before making any financial decisions. The information and opinions expressed should not be construed as financial planning and does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person, nor does it constitute an offer to buy or sell securities.